0: Welcome back, freaks, to the Bad Christian Podcast. We just got back from the conference, and man, was it fun. We'll talk about an episode a little bit today. I don't have any tour dates to announce or promote at this time, and that's because I'm having a baby soon, so we're going to have a couple of months where we're not traveling. But I do have something to tell you that's pretty cool. If you're interested in the band Emory, as everybody is, we're going to start hanging out and doing more stuff on Twitch. We have a Twitch channel set up, and we're doing writing a new record, and we're rehearsing, and we're hanging out, and there's going to be a lot of stuff over there. It'll be pretty chill. Go to twitch.tv slash music. And uh, you'll see some fun stuff develop over there if you're a Twitch user. Um, If you're not, it's just a pretty good place to hang out, do some videos, streaming, live stuff, chat, interaction. we got a lot of plans, and I think that's where we'll be. So go ahead over there, make you an account, hit the follow button for Emory. Let me tell you about today's show. It's sponsored by Joybird. You can see how Joybird is revolutionizing online furniture shopping by visiting joybird.com slash Christian. Right now, you can get 25% off your first purchase at joybird.com slash badchristian and use the code badchristian at checkout. Today's show is also sponsored by stamps.com. You get a four-week trial plus free postage in a digital scale by going to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter our code badchristian. Again, that's stamps.com, enter the code badchristian, and ziprecruiter. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire, and right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free by visiting this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Christian. Let's do it. Oh, hell yeah, God showed up. I don't give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever f- talk to me that way. <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extrovert.
1: No girl, it's my pleasure.
2: I, I showed my dad my penis when I was 25 years old. You don't get more honest than that.
1: Three, two, one. Sven. Boy, on. he sounds tired. That's a little
2: better. It's Toby's first episode around? after the BC con.
1: <laughs> Oh, I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) Bad Christian podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, welcome back to the post conference podcast. Everybody's back in town. And uh, what a trip it has been. I want to tell you about my trip home. And then if y'all want to go back after that and talk about the conference itself, we can do it. And we're going to hear from Aaron Gillespie in a little bit, too. Okay. So. I'm uh, happy to be here, happy to be on the pod and everything. Now, that was the most exhausting weekend of my life, probably, because every single moment of it was uh, engagement with other people and focus on stuff now. I love it. Every moment of being fully engaged and focused on something is my favorite. But these days were long. They're like, you know— Alarm's going off at 6.45, 7 to set up the chairs, get in there and do it. Go through the whole day where I'm completely either on stage or focusing on the people on stage or talking to other people. The part, you know, I didn't get to hang out with near as many people for as near as many minutes as I wanted to, yet every minute I had was spent hanging out with people and doing things. And then, of course, it's pretty wild at night. People are keyed up, and it's 2 or 3 in the morning before we get to go to sleep. And then same thing three days in a row. Skip the conference. We'll get back to it. Then I have a flight home on Monday morning from the you know most exhausting weekend possible, and it's a early early flight. So I get up at about six, yeah. get an Uber to the airport, which is three o'clock uh, Seattle time. Fly to Seattle. I cannot wait to get home because I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to take a nap. That is my plan. All right. Yeah, seems Whoa, like it's it often for Matt. <laughs> I know, but this is this was this was. I don't take naps. This, right. is, this is my once every three years, like, yes, I'm going to take a nap. This is going to be sick. So I come in, come in the door. Girls are there, give them a big hug. Bridget's 36 weeks pregnant, of course, and uh, she's in the bed. She doesn't really feel well. I go in there. I talk to her for a second. I give the girls a big hug. I sit down on the couch with, with Jerry. It's about 2 p.m. from this, you know, really long flight back home after the week. Get on the couch sit down next to Jerry immediately fall asleep I've been in the door (laughs) 15 minutes I fall asleep for 10 minutes 10 minutes later Bridget comes out of the bedroom and says we need to go to the doctor the hospital (laughs) oh lord so I'll fast forward to jump back again I don't get we don't get home from the hospital till after midnight that night Oh Lord! <laughs> so, how would you handle it? Like, did it you have fine. a good attitude? Uh, yeah, when things are real, then it, it doesn't matter. So it's just a, okay. a long. It was just one more day of of you know focus and engagement right. and exhaustion. Now I'll fill you in on the details of that because it's 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 its own story. Um, so she's 36 weeks pregnant. She has symptoms as so: vomiting, diarrhea, nausea, fever, is what she's got at 36 weeks pregnant. And, of course, it's President's Day, doctor, clinic, nothing's open, so it's ER we go. Right. So that's okay. It seems by all metrics, we will hit our out-of-pocket maxes and all that kind of stuff anyway. <laughs> um, so we go sit in the ER, wait there a bunch of, you know, a lot of time anyway. But by the time we got admitted, got in there and, and do it, they ask her the questions about vomiting, diarrhea, nausea, check her fever. It's not even a fever at that point. And I say, well... Yeah, we'll be, guess we'll be out of here in a second after we waited a few hours uh yeah. and she felt okay and they said uh the guy was poking around on her body which is she constantly is complaining about how sore her body is um every, at every point all day every day that's all she talks yeah. about the guy's poking around her body does it hurt how does this feel whatever pokes in one spot and says uh just the er doctor nurse guy and he says how about right here? And he puts right there. Does that hurt? She says, yeah, yeah, that hurts. <clears throat> so he's now concluded she has appendicitis. Oh, Jeez. Lord. So at that point, it's like, uh-oh, let's, you know, that changes the tone of the situation right. because, you know, Bridge immediately kind of gets a little nuts there because that she have to have surgery right. if you do. Does that induce the right. thing? Can you have anesthesia and go under to do the surgery? And right, yeah. I don't know any of those details, but sounds oh, sounds not not good sounds not good at all um now they do a cat scan to f- determine if you have a appendicitis but you can't do a cat scan when you're pregnant so you can do an mri that's all so the first thing they say to her is uh even before that, they said, do you want something for the pain and the nausea or whatever? So they gave her an IV. She was already on an IV, and they gave her a nausea medicine. And they said, do you want something for the pain? But she's not in any particular pain that she hasn't been in for m- months um, right. from, from what I can tell and what I'm reading from her. She doesn't seem to think it's appendicitis anyway, but th- I appreciate the guy being careful. That's sort of the, <laughs> this is my favorite part. They said, do you want any... Uh, Medicine, pain medicine. She's like, no, I don't think so. They're like, well, you can, you can, it's fine. I was like, and I said, what is, what's, what's the medicine? They said, it's morphine. And I was like, yeah, I mean, maybe, probably not. She, she seems fine. And they're like, well, I mean, it's fine. She's, they say it doesn't hurt the baby. It doesn't go, it doesn't do it. I mean, it's, <laughs> oh we do it all the time. Gosh. Don't worry about it. And she's like, I don't really i don't want it it's fine it's okay and and i said you can have it if you want i'm not saying anything it's just i don't i don't think that's the situation I said okay so they want to get her into the mri now now i didn't know this but the mri you have to lay in there for 45 minutes she cannot sit still first of all she can't lay on her back and has it in weeks which you have to lay in there and right 45 minutes on your back and there's no way that was going to happen yeah, Not,
2: especially in a tiny enclosed. Right. Tube. Yeah, she it
0: wasn't like she thought maybe she could do it, or she'd be halfway in, or get a pillow in the right thing, or kind of on her side. But she can't. Like she she can't lay down for three seconds on her back. Anyway, and then the, the, they went to take her up to the MRI. Now it's like eight o'clock at night by this point, and uh, they said I couldn't even go. I said okay, well I'll just go get some sushi and come back in forty five minutes. And you know, uh, when I got back from that, uh, it, w- it was an hour before they came back down. No MRI complete failure she never even got in the thing and but when she got back they gave her morphine so oh <laughs> to try to call, they convinced her while i was gone to take morphine maybe because they thought she would calm down and then be able to lay down in the thing right. which of course was not even close to true and the morphine was barely even kicking in by the time and you right. know they were just frustrated they just wanted to do what they wanted to do yeah. and get on with it and they gave her her and my baby morphine which they assured they, this is what they said this is my favorite part they said um the b- morphine doesn't do anything to the baby it goes in through the mother's bloodstream and it goes into the baby's bloodstream and then right back out i was like well <laughs> okay but uh, fine I, I believe you there's no like l- long-term effects fine drink, drink wine when you're pregnant i don't care it doesn't matter right? to me but I I don't think it's, I mean, it's kind of like, obviously, they share blood with morphine in it, so, you know, it's not, (laughs) don't, that doesn't make a ton of sense. It Uh, just goes in the blood, which is in the body. Right. (laughs) It's just morphine in the bloodstream of the baby. It's not (laughs) like, what do you mean you put the needle in the baby's arm? I get it. That's fine, but uh, I'm sure it's not. I mean, it's just hilarious that you guys were kind
2: of pushing on being a little conservative with pain medication. She didn't need it. It's almost like.
0: It'll feel so good. Right. There's no
1: harm done.
0: (laughs) Now, also in this process, they, of course, are constantly concerned about the baby. So when they send down the prenatal and start doing baby tests, of course, too, because, I mean, which makes sense, but that escalates the concern level, too. You know what I mean? Like, they've got oxygen and heart things on the baby, and they're looking at it and taking readouts up and down, and, you know, and I understand why, but again, there's nothing really that wrong. We don't have appendicitis, you know. And so they're worried about the baby, which makes it more and more tense and uncomfortable. Uh, And so they do these tests on the baby's heart rate the whole time, too, to make sure that is is going good and everything like that. So they did one before the MRI. Then after the MRI, they come down they said, okay, well, uh," we convinced them that, look, this, this is not appendicitis. It hurts there. It doesn't hurt anymore. She's pushing on it. It's just where the baby's positioned. I understand you're trying to be careful, but we'll pay attention. We'll just go home. This just seems like a regular sickness, stomach bug, um, which is what it, of course, was. Turns out Jerry has it, and now I have diarrhea and whatever else, too. So it doesn't matter. But uh, they, then they said, okay, well, we'll, we'll release you. We're to do another test on the baby stress test. So <laughs> they bring the thing back, watch the baby's heart rate thing again that they had just done an hour and a half ago. And the baby's fine. Bridget feels them moving, whatever. But the heart rate is, does, isn't as variable. It's a little bit lower. And it's a little bit, it's not varying as much as they want it to be to show good oxygenation. The nurse starts feeling like, oh, ooh, ooh. and I says, well, you gave her morphine. So maybe that makes the baby's heart rate a little lower, too. <laughs> and she's like, well, yeah, I mean, could be actually, yeah, it could, could be that. But, you know, we're, this is a concern now. <laughs> <I'm> like, okay. <laughs> so now, oh, that, now we're concerned. Now she bring, starts bringing in more people to look at the thing, which makes everybody uncomfortable, Right. And they're like, okay, we gotta get the we try this different stuff. And they said they got this buzzer out, this giant dong looking vibrator thing that's super intense, and push it down into her and zap the baby's head goes Zah! to see if the baby's heart rate will go up. And of course it goes it instantly goes up. You, oh, know, the baby, Lord. you know, the baby's on morphine. Now, this is my favorite part. They said, uh, oh, you know what works? You know what would be really good is uh a lot of times, if you drink some caffeine or some sugar, the baby will perk right up. And, and Bridget says, oh, yeah, anytime I drink Coke, in like two seconds, the baby's just, you know, he goes crazy. He flips out. And, and so they brought in some apple juice and said, give us apple juice. And she drinks the apple juice. The baby immediately goes crazy, like everything like you want it, would want it to do, after it's been on morphine. And I said, okay, so morphine does... Nothing to the baby, but that fucking apple juice. Woo! Juice immediately.
1: <laughs>
0: woo! You put that. Mom sips apple juice on her tongue. The baby goes does donuts, and that and that's their medical practice. Meanwhile, right. morphine, as far as we know, does nothing. Can no. you believe that? And they finally let us out eleven o'clock. I got pulled over on the way home because I didn't make a turn signal trying to rush home next door. Neighbors watching the kids. Father it's you know, hilarious.
2: I mean, that's that's the scary. That's the scary thing about medical care is there are definitely pockets of it or big portions (laughs) of it that are just like fast food restaurants. Like, hey, we're trying to get these orders together. We're trying to get them out. But mistakes are gonna. I mean, well, it's
0: not. Mis- it's just interventional, fundamentally, and that's what bothers me about almost everything. It's like you. It's. it's I get it. I appreciate them saving life. I understand it's better to have protocols that you know and th- you know that subvert judgment or feelings. I get all that. But nonetheless, is these interventional cycles that are just devastating. I mean, you can really. It could have gone a lot of different ways. Like they wanted to try to put her back in the MRI. I like I. You know. It's just, it's it's really interventional, really heavy. I can't wait to see if we get billed for the failed MRI. That's my favorite thing. I can't wait to find out. Like, how do you bill for a failed MRI where you occupy the tech and the machine for an hour and don't even get in it? We'll see. But, you know, those cycles are crazy. And, of course, that's one of the worst environments possible for me because I'm nervous, anxious, wanting to know what's going on. I love to ask questions, and they do not love that of course like if i say well, how does you how do you read right. that and how do you know this and what is that they take that as a challenge when i'm curious and stuff so but anyway that was the my day home i got home midnight whatever woke up in the morning and text and said are we starting podcasting now i was like oh my gosh <laughs> Lord. but i slept good last night and everybody's bridge is fine everything's fine of course it is all right so have you guys heard about the revolution that's brewing and Well, don't worry. No, it's not a bad one. This is a good one. It's a revolution in online furniture shopping. It's because of Joybird. They're the company behind it all. Joybird believes that you don't have to settle when it comes to your home furnishings and that you should always have the freedom to be boldly original. Let me tell you what that means. It means that you get to pick out the furniture, you get to customize it, you get to design it. They even have people... To consult with you to get it. Now, think about when you go over to somebody's house and they had got something from a big box store and it's the same one that everybody has, and you start to recognize it. And yes, kinda cool, but I believe it's that's a little bit stale, you know what I mean? Joybird solves that and it's a very, very high quality stuff. With Joybird, you get a one-of-a-kind furniture made to your unique taste. You can turn your ideas into reality with hundreds of styles and options. They've got mid-century modern to contemporary classics, customizable, and an amazing array of fabric choices. They've got like leather, plush velvet, every color, every color imaginable. They've also got, and this is a big deal, a wide range of kid and pet-friendly upholstery. So make sure you get the right one to suit your needs there. And like I said, they've got free personal design consultants to help you nail down your perfect design. I told you before that they're high quality and handcrafted and stuff like that, but I'm going to focus on the fact that they have a 365-day home trial, which is crazy considering you're the one that gets to choose it and design it. You can skip the furniture store altogether, bring the showroom into your home, For a year, you get to sit on it, sleep on it, break it in, and you're going to love it. If you don't, you just return it for a full refund. It's hassle-free, in-home delivery. They'll even take the packing materials when they leave the house. So 365-day trial in the first two weeks, and the return is free. So you can see how Joybird is revolutionizing the online furniture shopping. You can create the furniture that brings you joy today at joybird.com slash You can Go to joybird.com slash badchristian and receive an exclusive offer for 25% off your first order by using the code badchristian.
1: I I got home and I was so happy. I just as soon as I got home, I was I felt okay. I woke up the next morning. We we drove all the way. Me, Reva, and Luke drove the bus all the way back, and we got home about nine nine thirty at night, and that uh, was fine. I went straight to bed, and then I woke up the next day. I was like, oh, I think I'm fine. And then as the day went on, I just got worse and worse. And I I got this cough. I have unreal diarrhea, kind of achy. I got a headache. All this shit. And I just don't feel good at all. You don't and sound I'm so good. glad it didn't happen at the con. That's the only thing. Like I just can't imagine just feeling like this at the conference it would have been terrible. But I, I think I was, the thing about the conference for me was I, the very last night I literally had no energy. You know, how Joey talks about it, being depleted. And he has to go off by himself and fill back up. I never really had that before. And I just had nothing like it, there was nothing inside of me. I, like, I was like, I want to hang out with everybody. I want to talk to as many people as I can. I would go in, hang out, talk to a few people. And then I just felt like I have nothing. Like it was the weirdest feeling. Like, empty like I I'd had no words or thoughts to even say so I'd, go, <laughs> I'd, I'd go sit on the bus for a minute and like try to I was like maybe I can feel back up or something like it was really weird because I really wanted to hang out and do all this stuff and I just felt like I was just I, I don't know I was I was really questioning is it like I'm, I'm 42 now is I'm I'm old because I've always been extroverted love hanging out with people want to want to you know and it just it was just something like I I felt stupid like I literally had nothing like nothing inside of me, it was crazy, and then I get home and yeah, get it,
2: it's uh, it's it's super interesting because I have always kind of admired how you are are fine around people for long periods of time, and yeah, you're totally not like this anymore.
0: But that's all right. The uh, conference in a, as a whole, and all the moments of it, and the programming, and the people and stuff, amazing, amazing,
1: right? Oh yeah, yeah it was it was it was totally amazing. I, it, it just made me feel really weird cuz I just remember like when Joey and I would go to uh the nursing home and visit people, all the men were completely by themselves. They never even came out of their room. The women would come out to the Bible study we would lead or you know, they'd want you'd stop by their room, they'd want to talk and stuff like that. And all the men never wanted never wanted to talk or anything. I was like, "Is that where I'm headed?" Like, well, I have, I, I used <laughs> to think they just didn't want it they might not have anything like well I, I was like i have nothing to offer anyone right now well but that's I at the end of 72 empty. hours of pure engagement i know but i've never done that before in my life and i still <laughs> want i still had the desire like i was like man i want to go hang out and be you know cut up and tell jokes and laugh and all that stuff and i tried and i did i mean i did do that but it was like it was like it took everything i had inside like and- everything i had inside to like just uh, and I I, don't, I didn't I never felt that way before I, I don't know if that's just like getting older or what like, well, I guess you're right I was but I mean what I'm saying is man I would go in too. you were just you talking give yourself Toby you need
0: to pat yourself on the back and give yourself a hug and tell maybe yourself maybe I was it's getting okay. sick you were sick well, I, I could mean, have that, been that, sick
1: first thing it goes
2: back <laughs> to what Matt was saying as far as us literally starting the day at seven or beforehand like there was <laughs> then it ends uh, at 1. it turned into a joke the clubbers wanting us to go to the after party but one uh, one girl said. What's three hours to, to hang out with us? And I was like, it's not three hours. That would make
1: it 18 that hours. A, yes, that's the whole hours. point <laughs> is we've been hanging
2: out the whole time. <laughs> I,
1: I knew I was exhausted when, uh, okay. So all y'all left and, uh, Matt and everybody went to the airport about, I don't know. It was like six thirty, seven o'clock, something like that. And, uh, so I woke up, I was like, I need to go to the bathroom before I get out of deep Ellum. So I walked down to cafe Brazil and got a coffee and went to the restroom Came back, had my coffee and everything. Got everything set. The bus didn't quite start immediately. Right as I saw oh my Josh and uh, James's uh, Uber leave, and I was like, "No, if they if they're all headed to the airport, and I have to figure out how to start the bus, I don't know what I'm going to do." <laughs> it started up. It just hadn't. It was just cold. So I was like, "Okay." So I routed my uh, trip uh, towards a truck stop, because so, I was thinking we would need fuel. And uh, I started driving, and uh, Google didn't know where I was, like because all we were at. There's an underpass. We were on the road under the the highway bridge, and all this stuff. And there's all these roads right where we were at in Dallas. So Google didn't tell me where we're at. And so I, it said, turn right here. When I went to when when I got to that road, that road had all these orange cones and one tiny little lane open. I was like, I'm not going to make it, so I'll just go down to the next one. And when I looked at the map, it, it that line had grayed out. But I was like, oh, I'll just take this one and go that way. No big deal. What I didn't realize was when I turned right, I was immediately on the bus in a one-way street going the wrong way.
0: <laughs> downtown Dallas.
1: Downtown Dallas. Now, let me, for all the people that didn't come to the con, here's why that's really funny because two days or a day, the day before, some guy was riding through downtown Dallas shooting a gun up into the air or something like that in the back of a truck. Uh, uh, Bonnie Lewis, I think, even saw it. A few people saw it. Um, you know, it was uh, like this crazy situation, downtown Dallas. I'm just totally, I'm on this road and I had to go through one, I had to drive two blocks. Like I went all the way to the light still. No, I couldn't turn cause I was in the far right lane and that was the one way. So I had to go to the next one. I, the luckiest thing ever was just so happened at that exact moment for those 15, 20, 30 seconds, no car was in my lane there were cars passing me but they were all over i was like oh thank god because because uh, we could have had a head-on collision i don't even know because it was like it was a curve and all this stuff I, I, it was a nightmare finally i got out of there but all i could think was and i just seen like three or four cops like in deep elementary and i'm just you know i'm a couple streets over and i was like oh I'm, I'm gonna get a ticket This is gonna be horrible and all i could think was you know like a cop going there. there's a 633 633 is a you know like a identified vehicle a, bo- yeah. you know trying to yeah <laughs> <laughs> trying to like just kill people or you know driving the wrong way after the gun incident and all that stuff and i was like that's uh in the middle of downtown dallas our bus was going the wrong way for two blocks <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> well uh so yeah i, mean, I was just screaming too the, re- the, re- of it. Re- the conference itself is almost inexplicable of its meaning and value and enjoyment and all those kinds of things but i, I want
2: it it, it is really a coma. It feels like a culmination. It's almost like whenever we have a conference, it's a reminder. Oh, yeah, this is uh, the culmination of the podcast, BC Club, the, the music, the conversations, the guests. Uh, I mean, it really does feel like this is what it's all about. Are these relationships that have formed through this community? And, and like you said, the whole permission thing, I mean, it really was like that's something that a lot of people comment on is we feel at complete peace to open up and talk about the things that we have questions about. And, uh, yeah, it just felt really good. I was watching everybody on the dance floor and I got all sentimental, kind of like a, like a, a father
0: <laughs> yeah i know what you mean i know what you mean but so i you know again it can't really sum up the conference or anything like that we'll be have we're going to air some content of course from it because there's some terrific stuff there and i don't even think i would do a good job with thank yous to everybody but i'll just take the time to say thank you to reva and ask you how did you feel that the whole thing went from your point of view last year you were super stressed and it was very difficult oh, yeah. and you seem like you had a terrific <laughs> time this year so that made me very happy
3: Yeah, this one was way more smooth. I mean, it helps to have last year in the back pocket, you know, Mm -hmm. like we've had that experience. It went pretty well,
2: so I felt much more relaxed and it was all in one spot. People knew what they were supposed to do.
0: So, well, Reva did a a tremendous job. I was in charge of basically everything, and the thing she did the best was delegate. She had a team of six, seven volunteers, all really smart and uh, capable people, and everybody just kind of knows what to do. Our leadership style is just my favorite, and it's where a bunch of capable and competent people – Analyze and solve problems in real time without much chain of command, but nonetheless, that's set up and architected by Reva, and it went off very, very smoothly. There was no logistical problems whatsoever, and everybody helped. And it's kind of a it's a kind of a thing of beauty for, from my point of view. So, thank you, Reva.
3: Yeah, well, thank you, guys.
0: Okay, so our <laughs> guest. <coughs> Our guest today is Aaron Gillespie. Uh, he was originally intended to be at the conference, and he double confirmed two things. He said he's very sorry, uh, and he was not going to be able to make it to the conference. But the talk I wanted to have with him, I thought would be, you know, be remiss to not get that talk because I knew it was going to be a good one, and it's in line with the other things we were doing at the conference. So we uh, we did that the other day. I got uh, the day before we went to the conference. I did a. Uh, interview with him, basically de- you know, walking through his deconstruction and how he's changed and what over time about his faith and how he thinks about it now, which is what the, no, some of the conference interviews were, that's what we were going to do with the con. Anyway, we had that conversation and we at least get to present it to everybody, although he unfortunately was not at the conference and that's what you're going to hear here. I hope you guys enjoy it and we'll be right back with uh, Gillespie and I talking about that.
1: All right, listen, I am the master of shipping and receiving and postage, and you can trust me to say that Stamps.com is awesome. I use it every single day. Postage rates have gone up again, but thankfully, Stamps.com can ease the pain with big discounts off post office retail rates. With Stamps.com, you you can save five cents off every first class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. That kind of savings really adds up, especially for a small business. Or if you just do a lot of uh, mailing, do your friends and all that stuff, I I would use this. Save the money. PlusStamps.com is completely online which saves you time. That is the biggest, best part about Stamps.com. I do it all right from my house, sitting at the desk, and then all I got to do is drop it in my mailbox, or if I got a ton of stuff, I just walk into the post office, don't even have to wait in line, set it down, and leave. It's so easy. Stamps.com automatically calculates and prints the exact amount of postage you need for every letter or package you send. You'll never overpay or underpay again. Stamps.com. Brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Postal Service right to your fingertips. So, I use stamps.com because I love it. It's so user-friendly, and it's great. I think you should, too. And right now, our listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale. So, you can see for yourself why over 700,000 small businesses and folks use stamps.com. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in bad Christian. That's stamps.com. Enter bad Christian. Well, I know what I'm interested to
0: hear is your experience from going from evangelical and ideologically based as a Christian, where your whole main identity was in that evangelical thing to where you are now. Now, I'm not trying to define what that journey is, but I want to hear it uh you know like I've seen it happen in you I've known you over the years and all that stuff so i just like to walk through it somewhat yeah. chronologically but I'm I, but uh I I'm wondering how you before we even start where is the journey end where are you as of now and then uh, we'll work backwards chronologically I mean yeah you
3: know. that makes sense for you know for me which is interesting is I don't I think now more than ever I've got more questions you know mm-hmm. I feel like for me when my deconstructive journey or whatever you want to call it started I uh I was real vocal about it, and you've—I mean, I—you know—talked with you guys after my divorce, and I was all piss and vinegar and blood and fire, you know. And mm-hmm. um, I think now I have more peace about not knowing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like about not knowing what I really do think, you know. And I don't think that any of us, you—you you included, or Toby included, or whatever—I think if you had a gun to our head, it would there would still be a question, you know. I really do. I—I re- I think that um, in that deconstruction. I think I think a major component of deconstruction is is being inquisitive,
0: mm-hmm. right?
3: Like for the first time in your life, going, is this right? You know, does this make sense? Like, I think this is goofy. Is it actually goofy? You know, like stuff like that. I think that's the that's a big big kind of linchpin of the deconstructing process. But well, let's, deconstructing- ju- but
0: let's just. I want to hear you say in your own words in a sentence where you currently are at. If somebody were to ask you, no, not somebody. If I'm asking you. Yo, dude, yeah. are you a Christian right now, or what? Like, what's the simple uh, answer to that? If you had to give me a one sentence answer, and then we'll go through back from nineteen ninety six or something. You
3: know? uh, n- no, no, I I would not consider myself a Christian. Okay, um, I would say that, and and then I can expound on that a bit. I would say that I have deep Christian beliefs, um, and I believe there's a creator. Um, but I say that I'm not a Christian because of the humans behind it. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, um, but it's going to take a little time to untangle that, and I know that yeah. that's kind of um, paradoxical on the surface. A lot of people would push back on that, but I don't want to push it, back on the notion of it and the debate part of it. Now I just want to hear about Aaron Gillespie, the guy yeah, who starts a band in what year? Uh, when did you start in Under Oath, for instance?
3: So, uh, I got a phone call when I was... 15?
0: Mm-hmm. So I guess that
3: would have been 99 from a guy named Luke who started the band with Dallas, and then I came in, and then we got a bass player. And it was kind of a local band, really, until like 2003-ish. Um, and then we started touring. Um,
0: and when you started that band in the first place, doing those first early recordings and all that, you... Did the band as a Christian ministry? Tell me what you believed at that time as a teenager. What did you believe about God and Christianity and music and what you were supposed to do? In oh,
3: life? I, you know, I, I grew, I grew, up as a, um, in a, in a Church of God home. I think Toby grew up Church of God too. We've mm-hmm. talked about this before, yeah. Um, so it was very much like, if you drink, you go to hell. Like if you cuss, you go to hell. Um, all of those things and, and everything that we know them to be. Um, so with Under Oath, I think I was too young and you got, the other guys were like 18, 19. Mm-hmm. So I think I was too young to really give any real identity to the band. I, I knew that it was a Christian band and that's all my parents cared about. And,
0: but you were a like, Christian, okay. you were trying to do ministry or share the gospel like that. Were you, you yeah, were in that I, I think program. that was
3: Dallas. I think that was Dallas's aim. Um, but I, again, I was so young that, you know, so if you would have told me this isn't a Christian band, I would have been like, well, I can't do it or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't I don't know that um I don't know that I had any real bearing on um the outcome of that. You know, I don't think that I had any real lean towards the ideal of it. I think more it was like, This is what I do, this is who I am, it's how I grew up, you know? That whole thing.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so At the time when you started Under Oath 2000 in the 2000 zone, though, tell me about your faith at that time, regardless of the band. What was your faith Uh, as as clearly as you could articulate? If you were putting on a pretend faith then, then that's okay, too. I just want to hear what you really thought truthfully in 2000. I think that when you're 16,
3: 17 years old, from my personal experience, and again, I can't, you know, I went to youth camp and did the whole thing and had these experiences with God um, that were very emotional.
0: So you had an you know? experience with God, the Jehovah, the God of the Bible. You've had experiences with that guy Um or girl or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs>
3: whatever. What? Yeah. I mean, you know, that I, that's a, that's one of my questions again is, is what was that emotion or was it? But at the time it,
0: you were, you were certain at the time,
3: at the time I was certain that I experienced God at youth camp mm-hmm. and in different things like that. Um, so in those moments, um, I thought that that was my identity, you know, that I was a Christian musician. That's And, mm-hmm. and I came to that conclusion through
0: those moments, if you yep. will. So, yeah. So, at that time, tell me about the, what those experiences were. Uh, there was a camp. I can't remember the name of it.
3: There was a Church of God youth camp. You would go, oh, crap. I wish I could remember the name of it. Anyways, you would go two hours away from home and and it was the full charismatic thing, you know, laying on of hands, speaking in tongues, slaying in the Holy Spirit, the whole thing. Um, and I always had this strange, like, guilty feeling being there. I can't describe mm-hmm. that. Like, like, it was like almost fear that I experienced more than like, I remember being my, some of my earliest spiritual thoughts, I can remember being like, people saying when you go to heaven, it's, it's like a giant worship service. And I remember me being like, oh, that's so scary. The idea of a giant. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think that's a good idea at all. You know, I almost like relaxed when I wasn't in those hyper um, spirit filled, spirit filled scenarios. Yeah. You know, like I was like, oh, my gosh, like it's over. Like they didn't find out anything about me.
0: What you would know? they what could they have found out? Like what was that insecurity or anxiety? I, from? I don't know.
3: I, I, I was like one of those squeaky clean church kids you know i didn't why I didn't,
0: were you squeaky clean is that your choice i, thought, I mean uh, like- well,
3: i think that's what i thought you were supposed to do you know again like you you come you grew up in a family like that it's like like my manager for instance he's jewish and i always go back to this um cuz it's a good example for me he's jewish and i ask him like what do you believe and he's like i don't really know and i'm like wait but you're jewish he goes yeah her- by heritage You know, and I think a lot of us that grew up in those really, really strict Christian homes grew up with that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like you were squeaky clean because it was your heritage, you know, and there are some devout people who come from that. And obviously there's devout Jewish folks who come from that. And so it works on both tokens. But for me, it was more, uh, I guess the reason I was the way that I was was, I think from heritage, I think. Mm-hmm. I think
0: so it's I'm hearing you say almost that you had a tension with it or weren't even sure. Like it's it's as if you're not even saying that you definitely believed on your own. Like you almost wouldn't have if it wasn't forced on you or something. I don't want to put those words in your mouth. No, but.
3: no. It just, it's just what I was around. Like I didn't have any friends that were outside of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I really believed it or I thought I really believed it, you know, like all of it. I thought it all made sense, but I was always kind of uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. you know? And even when I got older, like after under oath, I, I tried to be one of those people because I thought that's what you should do. And my marriage was failing at the time. And I thought everything was, everything was in the toilet. So I assumed that like, oh, I just lean on that, you know? Yeah. Um, And then it still didn't feel
0: like home to me. So through that time, even, and before that, we're like, did you have solid years that you were living and walking as a Christian and personally, and you know, as an adult, like through your marriage and stuff like that, where you're like, I'm a Christian. I pray about this stuff. I go to God about it. I'm trying to worship Him. And I mean, didn't you go to Brooklyn and try to be a pastor? And you know, you yeah, released Christian to, I, music, so you I, must have. I'm, you know, you must yeah, have been way sure. into it even as an for adult.
3: Sure. I mean, even now, though, I still pray to God, whatever that might be. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I don't. um, for me, it's it's more about the commercialization of it, and I don't think that humans can be an active and equitable and accurate conduit from God to man. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that makes sense. And that's why I call myself a non-Christian, is because in order to be an American Christian, um, and in the sense that I know it to be, you go to church every Sunday, you walk the talk, you you uh you talk to talk you walk the walk and i just don't think that humans can be a conduit between god and man
0: mm-hmm. so what was what was it like in under oath at the time i mean y'all pray y'all pray before shows you do all this stuff like Absolutely, what tell me about yeah. that environment was, uh, in the early 2000s like what was, was the environment? it was
3: supposed to be a ministry you know and i don't really know I, th- I think just through the music, you know, we, it wasn't as if we did altar calls on stage. Um, I mean, Spencer I would it,
0: talk about Jesus from stage a lot. Like he would, every show, he, yeah, Spencer yeah. himself would say that we do this because of Jesus Christ, you know, all that. He and would, that, you know, yeah. you were guys known for that. I mean, you affected again, a lot of people with that.
3: And again, and when I think back on it, it's so weird because I wish that I could give you a synopsis of why, F- especially for Spencer, you know, and, and he can speak for himself, but um, that's just what we all believed. And I, so we all felt like we should put that forward because as a as a Christian growing up, you had to be evangelical or wasn't real, right? Mm-hmm. Like that yep. was the way that it was, you know. It for all six of us, you know, if you were a Christian, you were you talked about it, uh, if, it to your public, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, yeah, I I don't even know.
2: All right, technology, something we talk a lot about on. Bad Christian Podcast, technology changes a lot of things, man, for the better, and ZipRecruiter is a good example of that. So a lot of you are in charge solely or maybe on a team, but you're in charge of your organization, and part of that responsibility is making sure you're hiring the right people because you got the right people in place. Things seem to go smoothly, but it's such a stressful thing to do with the stacks of resumes and making sure you're looking in the right places for the right applicants. And this is why ZipRecruiter is so important. Because hiring used to be hard with multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, confusing review process. But today hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. I love how this works. This is like... Music to my ears, the times when I've had to hire and I can just go to one place. So ziprecruiter.com slash bad Christian. They send you uh, they send your job opening over uh, to over a hundred of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. This is, that's just unreal. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a, qual- a quality candidate through the site within the first day. All right, so right now our listeners can go to ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian, B-A-D-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian, the smartest way to hire
0: what was the spiritual stuff like off stage with under? Did you talk, did y'all pray? Did you Bible studies? Like, yeah, what was that like? we
3: prayed, we prayed, we tried Bible studies. Um, and the Bible studies were never consistent cause they were always super uncomfortable. I think for, everyone.
0: <laughs> tell me about that.
3: I, I just, I, I have, I just remember like it being weird, man. Like it being like, what, like this doesn't make any sense. And then I remember when we first started drinking, uh, we all kind of started drinking around the same time, and certain guys started before. But we—I remember when we started drinking, we would really talk to each other.
0: Oh man, yeah. And
3: that was the weirdest part. Is like I remember having this like really, really strong guilt for being like, oh, so like we can't open up to each other if we're sober. But you know, like, well,
0: th- yeah, totally. I know. In the Bible, mean.
3: in the Bible studies, like it was never like this fresh thing where God came down and we talked to each other. It was always awkward and you felt like you were in your underwear, you know, it was always just like, uh. And that's the weirdest
0: thing. It's like, this is the ultimate thing. This is God. This is us being as real as we can about the most important thing in the universe. And then during those attempts at something, it's It's the fakest you can almost be. It's
3: it's awful. It's weird. I I don't understand why that happens. And I think that's where my theory comes in with, you don't need another man or woman or human to, be a con- your conduit to god i just don't think it makes any sense you know yeah, what i mean because it's like you're
0: pr- it's like yeah it feels like a little bit of you trying to insert yourself between something or be a, a hall monitor or a tattletale or like it has some air to it of like well no or- I'm, I'm the boss or i know something you it's like a way of saying well i know a little bit more than you so i'm <sighs> here or i'm trying to, i remember we would have bible studies and our, and our and it's like at a gill all that stuff's wrapped up in it wrapped up in it but it's like is, is guilt in a sense where, like, our bass player, Joel, we'd do Bible studies. He wasn't that into it. But then at some point, he would come to a Bible study, and then at some point, he's like, you know what? I actually read this and this book, and it's actually cool. And we're like, whoa, things are really changing for Joel. Like, we felt so good. Yeah. Like, we had done something or whatever. And he was just... Faking it, you know, just going along with us. Yeah. Of course, at some point, people will do will do that if you put them in that sure. position enough. And I mean, yeah. I don't think it was anything to him. And we we're like, yes, we're really helping this guy. And like we're really doing it, and he's really coming along. Like we knew where that was supposed to go, or that. I mean, it's just weird, you know. But and and those <laughs> are the weirdest, most uncomfortable times. Then when you hang out and drink, it's real, but that's I, supposed it, to be bad.
3: Yeah, it, it. That's I think that's where it starts cruxing for all of us that have gone through this process is. Most of us that I, well, everyone that I know that's gone through this process is in mind and your line of work. And, you know, you go have beers with your friends and you're like, oh, that's who you are, mm-hmm. you know? So that started happening too, which was another thing for me that was really hard to wrap my head around,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know? And then I started being involved with all the, uh, I don't know if you call them celebrities. I would call them celebrities of Christianity, like, you know, guys that are famous and have big churches and, and I found like out who? they all, uh, you know. The guys, man. Um,
0: Prominent pastors, you mean?
3: Pro- yeah. Yeah. I'm People, gonna...
0: Okay. Don't say their name. That way you can say yeah. more about what it was like then. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So don't I, say their I name, would, but their how?
3: Yeah. I would go to their churches to lead worship or speak or whatever, and they would all be drinking. You know, there'd be after parties, like big ones, like after a huge, like bang out services, there'd be after parties at locations and there'd be a bunch of dudes just drinking. And I went to, I went to one guy's house. Who's probably the most celebrity of them all. And there was like empty beer cans everywhere. I remember being so surprised, right? Like what in the world? Like, is this real? Like, is this dude really drinking? Cause I had, I had become, begun living like a somewhat, uh, what my mom back in the day would call a double life, you know, drinking on the road. And then this is before I left under oath and then getting home and, um, you know, being holy man again or whatever. Like you want to call that guy. And, uh, And it was so weird. Like, I got to this guy's house and there was alcohol everywhere. And I was like, what in the world? Like, I had no idea this was okay, you know? So then it it just changed my whole thing. It changed everything for me. Like, seeing that and realizing, oh, like, people are people. Like, truthfully, like, all this talk of these, this pure life you got to live and then you see it here, but they're not drinking in service, they're not drinking in the lobby of their church. It's only behind closed doors, um, and that for me started posing a lot of questions. And this is during that whole time you referred to earlier when I was putting out worship records and
0: yeah, and I mean that's during the time when you're actually trying to make a career out of doing and yeah. make money off of yeah. something or with something that you think on its surface is well, what better way to make money than doing the most important work in right in the, you know eternity work you know kingdom work so uh, kingdom work and that's right. when I
3: begin to realize that you. That man just can't be a conduit um, between other people and God, man or woman. It just doesn't make any sense. And that's where I realize my whole belief system is paradoxical, but it's it's all hinged on that, right? It's all hinged on the fact that if there's a God and he's real um, and he invented humans and he created humans and he innately knows humans uh, or she innately knows humans, then why do you need another Person made of the same stuff to help you get there. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's can't, I can't.
0: Well, anybody uh, could get any Christian that wanted to could give you some answer, you know, they of course to everything you're saying, of course, but you're just saying they wouldn't be satisfactory to you. To say, not well, to God chooses to use people because that's how he, re- you know, like, there's plenty of, of lines to go down with that. He,
3: of course he does. He chooses to use people, he annoys some people, and all of that may or may not be true. <laughs>
0: there you go. Uh, but, but,
3: <laughs> but, for me, but for me, it just doesn't feel true. I, You know, I was sitting on the couch. So I'm it's
0: all about thinking. your feelings? Do you, let me ask you something. Do you believe in absolute truth? There's that. That's where they, Uh, as soon as you go there, then they say, oh, so you don't believe in truth. Okay. You're one of those people or, oh, so it's about your feelings then. But what does that mean? It doesn't feel true to you. So, but the Bible says it is though.
3: I think that I, I think that the feeling of truth that I have is, I think that's what I can attribute to God the most
0: Mm -hmm.
3: is that if he designed humans and he made humans and he made them innately human with his own hands, then that feeling you have is your only barometer.
0: What about the Bible, though?
3: I don't –
0: I can't see the Bible as infallible. Anymore? Anymore. Okay. How, tell me about that process of saying uh, the Bible is what I trust for answers to where you're at now. Um, how did that unravel?
3: How can it be without flaw with this age? Um, how can it be without flaw for you, for me, if it was written for a particular people group? Um, how can it be without flaw if it was canonized? I don't know how many times I'm not a scholar. Um, those things are all just huge signs for me that I'm like, there's great stuff here. And I believe, I believe there is, but I just don't see how it's a hundred percent applicable to me in order to guide me without mm-hmm. feeling, but without I, feeling.
0: But you did think that it was like, of you course. did think, I don't know what to do. Let me go to the Bible You, and as an adult. You've thought that of way course. many times. Then, I used to think that what?
3: you could just open it and if you were having a bad day, and you would it would you would turn you know that whole thing mm-hmm. like that high school thing you turn to a page and uh, and then I began to study it a lot more. Um, I was speaking and stuff, and begin to realize like, and I would hear these really eloquent sermons from uh, celebrity pastors, and um,
0: it was uh, hard. Wait a minute. To... So you were speaking and preaching out of the Bible and hanging out with celebrity pastors. Did you think you were going to transcend music and just be a pastor? Like no, that... no. I didn't think that. It's just you
3: got you, your agent starts asking you, "Hey, can you speak to?" And you're like, "I guess,
0: I guess." You know, like, yeah. it's,
3: it's it's that there. Maybe I'm sure. Um, what would so you speak
0: start, about? What what was the stuff you were doing? At the, I remember, like I saw you was oh, on a Christian yeah, tour it, like it, that.
3: It was always just. It was always just gospel messages. I was ne- I never got into serious, you know, unpacking of mm-hmm. things. Um, but as I began to hear some of these sermons, I realized that. Uh, Guys and guys and myself would take a verse and make it about a certain thing that it really wasn't. And I remember sitting you know, at, at my desk here at home and and coming up with this really, really emotional, large sentiment based off of a piece of scripture that, if you really study, wasn't about that. You know, I had huge sermons where people would get saved that really weren't about what they were about, using t- pieces of text that weren't about what they the, were and about. And you knew
0: that they weren't. And I knew. That but they you were. knew they'd be effective? yeah in the medium or what how does that work the, like how in are you in picking the medium I, mean?
3: I had a i had a i had a, a talk that i did one time that was about um it was about mary and you know how she had an alabaster box of of this expensive fragrance you've heard this that she broke over jesus's feet um and i you know we don't really know everything about mary you know a lot of people say she was a woman of the night a lot of people says she was say she was a housekeeper There's so many speculations, right? No one really knows. No one knows. No one knows. So I uh, had turned this thing around to be about, (laughs) I think the title was, uh, I can't remember the title, but a big point was like, are you going to break your your own alabaster box (laughs) over the feet of Jesus or whatever? And having mostly youth come out and say, this is what, this is what I, this is, I give all of this to Christ. This is what's in my Hmm. thing, which isn't historically what that's about
0: yeah see that what that really rubs me when i hear you say that from the point of view i'm sitting at now is i look at everything i look at things more through the lens of just what is the conformity and authority and like civilization and you know society gets along because of pressures and social norms and the ability to get everybody to kind of conform to some degree and that's necessary you know but when i hear that i hear it just saying there's something more important than you. And we're gonna need you to fall in line. And eventually we're gonna need you to give a lot and give up your whole self to this whole vague cause. Spirituality, God, America, school. I mean, whatever it is, it's like we're it's like what you were doing there, it almost feels like an ask. Like, okay, I will this is to set you up to positively feel like you will make a sacrifice and you're on on the team, aren't you? It
3: is an ass.
0: You'll you'll break your alabaster box for us, right? You want to stay in this community, don't you? You want to be one of us? You want to be up here like me? You want to be in this club when it's time to break that alabaster thing and give it all up for Jesus, which is the you know, just the conduit for conformity in that case, which may be a real thing. Of course, I'm not even saying I'm not Christian. or don't believe it, but I'm saying when I hear people doing that, it sounds like about the society itself or the social club of saying, and so you want to be in, right? This is what it's going to take. You got to be all in with us. That's what I hear. And that's kind of scary.
3: Uh, That's, uh, that's what it is. I mean, and then you, and then I would have a feeling of like, and I, I, yeah, it's, it's embarrassing to say this because I was in my mid twenties and, and I know better, but I, I, knew better, but I, I, I would almost like feel like I, like I accomplished something when people right. would c- raise their hand or come forward or like, or whatever, you know, or I would get the numbers at the end by the people who, you know, you usher the kids into the back so they can say the sinner's prayer. And that just feels dirty to me, man. Like mm-hmm. there's just no way, there's no way around it. I can't. And I think a lot of it is because of that conformity, but like, what if there was someone there who had a thousand more questions you know and I force them with my rhetoric and you know i'm I'm a performer, I'm good mm-hmm. at it, you know mm-hmm. I've made a lot of money doing it like i what if I talked them into something they weren't really sure what they were even being talked into, and on the guise of a piece of scripture that I was telling them meant one thing when it doesn't mean that, yeah, which everybody in my experience does yeah so the- there are there are people who are hugely hugely you know, do verse by verse teaching that, that spend their lives looking at the text and know what it means. But that wasn't me,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know, and I got a lot of friends as well, who that's not them, you know,
0: that's kind of of complicated when you think about it, because on, right, right. What you're saying right now is very difficult to communicate. It's also very rare to communicate because almost nobody that does that then turns around and does this and explains it. And if they do, they dress it up or say it a different way. You're being pretty honest at this point, and uh, <clears throat> I don't want people to get confused. Um, it's not that you. Even at the time, I think it's important to note that you didn't. You weren't saying, "Oh, I'm phony. I'll just do phony stuff and get no. rich and famous and succeed and whatever." No, no, no it no, wasn't no, like no, that. No. You were. You believed it and thought you were doing the right thing. And with hindsight, you can see maybe that that was. You know, there was some some stuff wrong with it. And even at the time, you felt some tension and hypocrisy, even in yourself. And what you're saying is these other people who maybe continue to do that or have done that, they may not be telling the truth, but they're, they they are probably are similar to you. You're not the one guy that was faking it over I there. I don't— You're saying don't whatever think, you I felt like is probably what they all are like, right?
3: I don't know. I'm not inside of those people. I think they really believe it, because I mm-hmm. really believed that that scripture was about breaking your life open for Jesus. Yeah. I believed that, yeah, like I really, really did. It wasn't like, and people that that came forward on that, I rejoiced for their for their coming forward. But I, I think that a, a lot of guys that I know that write sermonetti type vignettes talks really believe that stuff. Right.
0: You're not saying you they're know, all charlatans and stuff.
3: No, I don't think any of them are. Yeah. None of them that I know. Everyone, every single right. one that I know was like, I just want to make a difference. I want to do good for Christ. Um, But for me. The way that my psyche works is there was always a tinge in the back of my mind going, that's not not really about that, is it? You know, like that's not really right, is it?
0: But there's a work.
3: And overall, the ends
0: justify the means and stuff, right? That's it, because
3: you're getting people into the kingdom. So it doesn't matter how you do it, right? As long as they say Jesus is God, doesn't matter how you got them there. But I'm not okay with that now, which is why I identify the way that I do now. I'm not okay with that that system
0: and how that lines up. So tell me more when you were in that, at that particular time, how did that stop? Like, at you know, how did you go from doing that to where, you know, you got kicked off of Christian festival or said fuck or whatever? Like, how did we uh, get to that point? You were, because at that um, one point it did look like, well, Gillespie's not in under anymore. He's doing this. He's being a pastor. Yeah. Here he goes. And then, you know, it's a slow process, but what happened?
3: I think that, I think that this is going to sound nuts. I think that that's, the God I believe in, and I don't know what shape or form it comes in or have any specifics on, but I think that that was the purpose. You know, I think the purpose was for me to end up in the place that I am. Um, when I was a kid, um, there was a prophecy on my life in one of these, uh, one of these services, and I can't remember where, but it was this prophecy that I would, you know, travel the world and become a famous musician and I don't know how that stuff works. I don't know that I, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I don't know how it works, but I believe that there is a God, and I don't know what shape it's in. Like I said before, but I believe that God's providence for me was for me to be where I am. If I, if, if I have to put a reason on how I got from there to here, that would be it. Is I'm supposed to be here, um, and it started with a divorce for me. Um, I found out that uh, my ex-wife wanted a divorce. And all of the friends kind of started falling away. You know, it was like your marriage becomes fixed or not.
0: Well, you hang know, on a second. Slow slow down there. So first of all, you found out she wanted a divorce. That was a surprise.
3: Yeah. Yeah. There was some, uh, there was some, um, I don't go into too much detail because she's sure. the mother, of, mother sure. of our son. And to me, that's, that's about as, uh, I respect uh, her because mm-hmm. uh, she's the mother of, our child. And we, we do co-parent well, but there was some sketchy crap that happened. And then she wanted a divorce. Um, and without sounding ridiculous, um, it wasn't really on much on my end. You know, I was gone a lot, which created some issues and you can put the pieces together if you'd like. Um, but I, uh, she asked me for a divorce and, um, we had gone through a ton of counseling before then. Um, I had, we, I had lived somewhere else for a while trying to go through counseling, like spiritual counseling the whole thing and we ended up going to uh we ended up moving out here to salt lake city um thinking getting away from all the stuff in florida and all the all the folks in florida um that it would be better you know kind of running from your problems restarting so we started with a new counselor out here and then she still just wanted a divorce um so when things like that started to happen, there was most of most of those opportunities and uh, things kind of fell away from me. Yeah. You know, there's a few guys that I still am really good friends with from that world that are uh, been really great friends to me. For the most part, a lot of those opportunities started to fall away, and that's when we first started talking about my kind of deconstruction. I was just angry. You know, all of my friends in that sector have like oh, super hot wives and money, and there's nothing wrong on the surface. You know, there's nothing, they're like living it, wearing a YSL pair of boots and driving a G wagon and getting people, <laughs> I'm
0: serious. Smoking hot I'm, wife everything. Yeah.
3: Uh, I mean, that's, that's what, it, that's what the world I was in and my marriage was falling apart. I felt like I'm doing all this stuff for Jesus and nothing's working. So all those opportunities started to fall away and I just got mad, dude. I got mad. I'm like, none of this can be real because look at this, look at me. I need help you
0: know but you know how that sounds to the person
3: oh that it's emotional mm-hmm. that it's anger driven uh and it was at the start um for sure and then i learned i learned that the way i was feeling was warranted um and i learned to search for why it was warranted um
0: what do you mean i think
3: that once you feel exclusion from any sect of anything, um, your first your first thing you do is get angry, right? Or hurt just to just anger and hurt I think are cousins or close cousins and uh so once you feel excluded you begin to get hurt and angry and then the next thing that happens is you either go, Oh, I they were just they were just not on my side, then it'll be okay next time. Or you go, wait a minute, like that doesn't make any sense then you begin to ask the real questions and you, the anger subsides and you're like, wait though, like, but is that normal? Like, is that how it is? Like, am I in an institution of exclusivity? Is that what I've been doing? You know, did I ever treat anybody like this? And I remember sending guys home that were touring in my worship band because they were having problems with their marriage. So I started looking inward, like, oh, I did this to other people, you know, like any institution that, Of exclusivity is really scary for me. Like, that goes, there's history and politics involved in that that I don't talk about because I'm not educated enough. But, like, yeah, like once I got over the anger and the hurt, I was like, whoa, like this, there's so much exclusion here that I just can't be, I can't, I can't be associated with that. And that was me really walking away from the organized religion part of the thing.
0: I think that makes sense. So, so when you say exclusion, you mean stuff along the lines of like, for instance, when you're, when you're the one up there giving those talks on stage, it's basically, like we said before, an ask for something. Like you're in, right? Because if you're not, totally. that's fine. You just need to leave. That's, totally. that's exclusion. Like if yeah. you, you agree with me. You agree with everything. You agree with everybody here, right? If you don't, you're not. You got to go. Like I'm not yeah. going to say that, but that's implied. So that it means- Yeah,
3: it's it was it was more white collar for me, where like, oh, I can't be part of the team if if I'm going through this. Like mm-hmm. I gotta step down for now. And then once the anger and all that subsided, it began I began to unpack it in the way that you are now. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I I excluded people based on the asks that I was mm-hmm. having. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. and it's like if you've ever noticed this, and this is this is something that I think about on a regular basis, is if you drive into inner any city inner any inner city. Even here in the Mormon capital of the world in Salt Lake City there's a Christian mission downtown that takes in homeless people and it's not cool and no one cool works there. Mm-hmm. Like it's like gross and like people that don't wear cool clothes work there. Right. But then you can drive out to the suburbs and there's a big ass church with a million dollars for the sound and that's where the cool people are. Yeah. That's where the people with the ideas are. Right. But in my mind the guy with the ideas is the guy that's like pulling people out of the cold and saying, "Hey, you don't need that needle on your arm. Here's a A bowl of cereal or whatever and i begin to notice that stuff that i'd never noticed before that sounds really simple yeah you know but like it's it's weird man it just got it got it all just went from anger to like digging and then to like a stance Mm -hmm. you know yeah Uh, based off the based off the digging and where it started i'm not saying it started in a healthy place it started with me being pissed off that my friends wouldn't accept me anymore yeah
0: so it, that's that's kind of confusing, but I think what you're saying is really important because it's like, um, it took the painful hurt thing that, of course, you're biased about or whatever, you know. Of course, that affects you, but it took that to shake you loose in a way to Absolutely. be able to look at it, and then it kind of uncovers some of the, like basically, the issue is that that it the fact that you. The image part of it and the image and the control and the conformity is such a part of it and the exclusion that it causes a lot of the problems in people's personal hidden lives and marriages. The fact that you can't talk about it or bring it up or deal with it or have false expectations of you should be driving the G-Wagon in, in five years, whatever those are, those things that come out of uh, image management and presentation that cause other people to hide things actually contributes to the problems that causes marriages and faiths to fall apart.
3: I think so. I mean, and granted, like I can't, I can't go up on a pedestal now. And, you know, last time we talked, I was probably more evangelical in my I'm pissed off sense, but now it's more like if that works for you and you feel good about it, like, and you want to do it, do it. But if you're just parading like I was, then that's gross.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. I think
3: you know, like if you if you really feel like your life is enriched by living that lifestyle and being in that included in that, then dude, that's awesome for you. Good. Like but just for me,
0: um it doesn't work. So what about in your band now? And the rest of your personal life and your family, like your folks and all that, like how's, uh, like, have you, is, is it is a thing we have to even come out or how do people talk about no, it? No, my, mom my mom's,
3: com- my mom's comfortable with the fact that she knows that I believe in a God and I pray to a God, um, and I don't know how to word it sometimes or how to put a face to it sometimes, but she's comfortable with that. You know, she goes, I wish you'd go to church with me and stuff like that, but she understands where I'm at, um the band is uh is non-religious completely um and i think it's the best thing we ever did Dude. uh for the health of our band mm-hmm. um
0: because what was health. it like before i mean that's i mean what's the difference in that way
3: uh it was vocally christian like you just said uh and i don't think that most of the band felt that way um and so it was a, it was it felt fraudulent to us on behalf of one another. Mm-hmm. Uh and then when we removed the label, I was actually out of the band when they removed a the label. I think they removed the label in 2010, like officially. Um but it seemed like everyone was able to go, oh okay, this is who I am. You know, Grant came out as an atheist. And I remember him talking about the band's ministry back in the day. And he's a absolutely he's a card carrying atheist. And Spencer going, I wish I could believe in something, but I don't think there's anything. You know? And and Tim, you know Tim's beliefs. Tim and I—I I think Tim and I are the closest in belief. Um, you know, it's really interesting. It's really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I just think that I think that all—I think that all of that freedom for under oath comes with us not placing a rule on ourselves. <laughs> I
0: mean, what a weird thing to do, you know, is place a rule on it yourself and sense. then say what you are at some age and then and then get known for it and then. What are you supposed to do? Like how? It's it's awful
3: when you think, I mean, when you think about it from a marketing standpoint or like a financial standpoint, it's idiotic and stupid. But when you think about it from an artistic standpoint and a human standpoint, um, I would rather be real with the public than,
0: not i mean imagine if you were just anything else like say i'm a drummer i play in a band i'm pretty libertarian and i believe this about taxes about yeah. this policy right? and you get known for that and then of course in five years you have a different idea about what's good policy maybe you're you know a democrat have you gone conservative yeah. and now you think you were i suppose i've changed my mind on economics and if you i mean if you were known for that and you always said from stage that taxation was <laughs> theft then what how can you get out of it later i mean what if you, it's weird the,
3: i just feel like I feel like you have to be true to, to, to the people that listen to your art, especially man. I think there is nothing worse than going, mm-hmm. especially we believe this. We believe this, uh, but we don't like, I, I was listening to, um, I was listening to, I can't remember what podcast it was the other day. Uh, I think it was Joe Rogan uh, and he had Travis. It, yeah, it was yeah. Joe Barker. Rogan. Yeah. That was terrific. Yeah, I, wasn't it? it was so good. Yeah. But, But to hear how Barker went through that accident on the Mm -hmm. airplane, you know, like burned 80% of his body or whatever. And he was so screwed up on drugs for so many years. And he's been sober for 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, and I'm, I'm grotesquely paraphrasing, but he was saying something to the effect of, this is who I am. Like this sober guy the last 10 years. This is my best art. This is the best who I am. And a lot of his public would go, well, you're the crazy drummer guy with all the tattoos that used to get super ripped all the time. and like." you know, do X and Y and now he's the sober guy for 10 years and he feels that he's making his best art. I think that that's a really good example for under oath. I think that we did one thing for a really long time that we thought was the right thing and it wasn't out of malice and it wasn't out of trying to make money. Um, but as you grow, you change, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can't expect someone to stay the same person
0: forever. Yeah. And but it's it's hard it's really hard to interact with people. I mean, just interacting with the public is just a hard thing, period, especially this day and age, but mm-hmm. it's it's it sounds condescending to be in your position. Be, I'm not saying you're coming across condescending, but there's something fundamentally that that way about it because you've had so many experiences. You've been through it. You've been on the inside. You've been on the outside. You've been around the world. You've been everywhere and had almost every Christian experience you can have. I mean, that's probably overstating it, but within your realm at least. And so a lot of the people that would criticize you or hear you talking think you've hurt Yourself and other people, and you've turned your back, and you've done some bad thing, and now here you are acting like you know more than us. But it is true and possible that many people just have one or two experiences. They go to one church, they have one pastor that they think is good, and one church that hasn't hurt them, and it's working for them. But they 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 really don't have the broad set of experiences okay. that you do, and so okay. you come across like, well, I know more than you, and now I've turned my back. So you sh- they feel it as an insult for you to well, that's just tell the I... truth about where you are now, which is that's why i
3: that's why i started the whole thing with like i don't know because i i don't know anything you know i know what i feel but it's still know,
0: it's still inherent in what you're saying that of course it is. that if they knew more they also wouldn't know though
3: and there's also people <laughs> no there's also people that probably there's also people that i you know i listen to i listen to your podcast every week and um mostly because it's like a, it feels like home to me because mm-hmm. it's you and toby and joey talking and i'm like oh i I have, I have, we've had so many of these conversations, mm-hmm. you know, like I remember, I remember, uh, I was, I was listening to pod, the podcast last week and I remember when we had Bible studies at Warped Tour and Fat Mike showed up hammered. Do you remember that? Yep, and I do those, remember. And I remember Toby was sitting to my right and I remember Toby said, um, Toby said, I wish you would just think whatever you want. Like, I wish you wouldn't try to see things the way that we do. And I remember thinking in that moment, this was 12 years ago or whatever, but I remember thinking, whoa, like Toby got him, you know, like (laughs) Toby's so much smarter than fat Mike or whatever. And I remember going back to the bus that night and being like, damn, like, I wish I was as smart as Toby, like Toby's smarter than me. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Like I remember thinking,
0: he'll be so happy to hear that.
3: Because in my mind, in my mind, I feel like everyone else in the circle was like, oh, maybe God will just touch fat Mike tonight and he'll just try to throw up his pills or some shit, you know, whatever. Uh huh. And Toby goes, well, I wish you would just do what you want and stop trying to act like you want to be here. Whatever. You remember that. I don't know what what Toby said, but um, I remember feeling that night like, oh, Toby's so smart. He's so much smarter than me and me being like having this twinge of jealousy, you know, and then realizing that Toby didn't know any more than I did.
0: Well, it was, was it, it was, are you identifying that he was going off script? Like that's not what a Christian is supposed to say, but he must believe, but he's just telling the truth in the moment. That's
3: what I. That's what I mean. I thought like he was so intelligent and he had reached this level of intelligence and enlightenment that I could never achieve. <laughs> well, I'm not saying or,
0: Toby's not intelligent, but I think what you're identifying more so is that he was telling the exact truth in that moment freely.
3: Right. Which is the reason I'm telling you this yep. story is because that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I'm in that moment that Toby was in that night where I felt like it was so poignant. And I also took away like, Oh, he's just smarter than the rest of the Christians I know. So look at him. Like he's, so for me, like the whole, I've had more experiences and people may think this is coming off of condescending. I'm kind of trying to button that up and say, Mm -hmm. I'm just going with exactly what I, my heart tells me now. And people could go, you can't trust your heart it's deceitful above all else. Blah, 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 blah. And the way that I look at that is like, if there's a God and he made humans, like I said before, then, the only real barometer of truth you have is that okay, and the Bible, but we we did we did we N- unpacked that already,
0: so this brings us to the point where most people engage with your public story, which is very unfortunate because everything you 've said the, over the last thirty five minutes, it makes a ton of sense now, when you get to the very end and you sum it up in a two minute video or something it 's like. Uh I'm not a Christian anymore because Christians are mean. That's what a lot of people no, think just, is I mean, the case, but it tell it me about Christians like, being mean to you. Tell me about that experience. I know a lot sounds, of people have heard that type of thing, but what what is that on top of all this that's led up to it? What has it been like and what have you felt from, you know, Christians being, you know, terrible? I people? don't know.
3: I don't the mean the meanness are like my buddy's not calling me after I got a divorce. That's whatever. Like that's you get over that stuff. People are people. People people don't call each other when they feel awkward on don't know how to talk to them. But um I, I got a good example. I was sitting on the couch last night and and my wife had gone to bed and my son was upstairs and sleep. I was sitting on the couch with a dog and um I got a text message from a friend back in Florida and um there was a few years uh during the end of my first stint with Under Oath and and when the time I was out of the band, I was working like volunteer work with this large youth group. Um and I got an, a, uh, a link texted to me, and um, it was a mugshot of this youth pastor that I worked for and with. And, uh, and then there was a video below that from a local news channel, and it was talking about how he had sexually assaulted a teenager mm-hmm. uh, in 2009. And um, this is the time I was working for this guy. I like went oh, away wow. to youth camps with these kids, um, and he's in prison today. Uh, on a $50,000 bond, um, for, um, sexually, uh, assaulting, uh, uh a 17 year old boy who is now 28 and, um, 27 and probably got the courage to go, Hey, this happened to me by this guy that I saw as a conduit to God. And I really trusted him, you know, and this was a guy that was a dear friend of mine. Um, that did the crime and then my mom called me right after um after i've read the link like i just saw this on the news did you see this you know um and so i say all that that awful story to say this i don't think a human can be a bedrock for what one believes in god and for what one believes to be true of the scriptures and for what one's to be one believes to be true of spirituality and i think that that example sums it up perfectly like people are fallible um, people do evil, gross shit. And anytime that we have to put a label on ourselves based off of other people, I think you set yourself up for a massive failure personally for me. Um, and that's, and that's more poignant to me than the hurt that I experienced from
0: I see. other, other Christians. So you, know, you it's, almost it's, forgive or excuse the mean Twitter comments or whatever.
3: Yeah, whatever. Like. People get pissed off, you know, like people, people believe in their, as much as I believe in my ideals right now, someone believes in theirs, someone else believes in theirs. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I was at the Grammys the other night, which was wild and a huge thing. It was crazy. But, um, the beginning of the, the, the show, Alicia Keys walks out with Lady Gaga and Jada Pinkett Smith and Michelle Obama Wow, and somebody else, uh, uh, Jennifer Lopez. And they were, it was, uh, they were talking um, about how there's a lot of women in music this year, and it was, it was amazing, it was really cool. But they got a, they got a cheer, and then Michelle Obama opened her mouth, and it was the Staples Center, sold out. Just you couldn't even tell what she said when she started talking. She had to start over because people were cheering her speaking so much, uh-huh. you know. And I cheered right along with them because I love her and I love her ideals. But there's somewhere. All, somewhere in, in the middle of America where a MAGA rally is just as loud. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So for me, I've taken the stance in my life now where I'm like, I try to hear people out. I try to say, even though I think the MAGA rally is completely insane and wrong, and I think that michelle obama is completely right yeah. like there's,
0: there's well come her, on don't give her completely right she's one of those public figures like a pastor too no? Well, you know
3: you know well, you know, you know I'm, I'm just i'm i'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. and talking crap obviously like i don't think everything she says is right of course but like i i agree with her you know i'm on her side right um and before you know maybe two years ago I'd, if you had a maga hat on i'd be like well fuck you i don't want to talk to you and now i'm like why do you, I might be like? Why do you wear that hat? Or I might want to know, you know what I mean? Like, and in, in politics is such a weird thing to use an a, as an example, but that's kind of how I feel now. I see. I'm like, so there's a, a time are, when
0: you would have been uh, bad to a MAGA person in the way that Christians make exactly, you that's bad. What I mean. Yeah, I see. What uh, yeah,
3: yeah, that's what I. And so now for me, it's like the words and the stuff that I was told on Twitter because Underoath said "fuck." I'm just like, that's it's so insane. For me, it's more about. The heart of the thing. That's why I'm still I still am where I am when people were saying that I was awful for saying the fuck word, and now it's more about like, whoa! But like, look at the crux of the thing. Like, look at this guy that I worked for for years that that went ten years pastoring a church, you know, harboring the fact that he sexually assaulted a child. Like, I just man can't be a conduit to God for other people. Yeah. I just don't I don't I don't feel that. And and someone and, and and someone's gonna hear this and go, what about Billy Graham? I I don't have an answer for you there. Like the dude was, he did great things, you know, but for me, I'm just not, I'm not comfy with it. I'm not
0: good with it. Okay. Well, I, I think that, I I think that totally is very, very reasonable. And the place you're, the the ambiguities that you speak in now are, I mean, they seem pretty healthy to me because they sound more true to say you don't know. Uh, Let's go through here and wrap with a few yes, no, I don't know questions then. Okay. Uh, There is a God. Yeah. There is is the Jehovah? That the God of the Bible of Abraham, that one? Ah, uh, y- yes,
3: but yes, but
0: Jesus is resurrected? Yes. That's pretty strong. That's you didn't even give an I don't know there.
3: Yeah, yes.
0: Okay, so you got Jesus has resurrected on a, on a, Yes. And then it had to be 100% certainty, but you that's you do yeah. think that as a yes. Mm-hmm. Um are you uh are you saved? I don't know. Is anybody saved? I don't know. Uh is there a hell? No. Is there a heaven? No. No, on heaven for sure. But Jesus has resurrected.
3: Uh, I, I think heaven could be here. I think, I think there's, there's, there's something good, but I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't, I don't know. I, I, do, well, I, I say no. Cause I don't believe in a gold street with a, you know, whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, do, <laughs> I can't, I can't stop. I can't hold her off anymore. Uh... Uh, what about your kids and what about your son and church and God?
3: I think church, I think that if whatever he wants to do, I want him to do. If he wants to go to church, he can go, you know, if, if he finds solace in that and he thinks it's healthy. Um, but I want him to formulate his own thing. I want him to get his own journey. Like, like, like us, like all of us. Oh,
0: uh, so, um, you will, if you tell your son about God, how? Or not at all? Uh, uh yeah, I
3: pray with him at night. Um that he'll have good dreams and protect his mom and his friends. And um, it's very much that, that kid faith right now, you know, mm-hmm. that whole thing. We don't get into the, he hasn't asked the questions yet, you know, and I think that I'll deduce how to do that when he's older. Mm-hmm.
0: So, and so you, how about your openness to, do you think there's any chance that you become more spiritual or more, christian in the future or you do you feel this is a one-way path or in a very stable place because i mean you've changed before might you change Uh, again i don't have no
3: clue i think that if god made man he made man and woman to to be uh
0: to be malleable right i mean so yeah i don't know i don't know and you're comfortable in the i don't know place more so now
3: i think so even if that, that
0: persists the rest of your life you're okay with that
3: i think that that's what deconstruction is i think that we like to put a lot of uh, bookish words on deconstruction, but I think what it really is is having the balls or the lady balls to say, "I don't know. This doesn't seem right. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, there's, here's the reasons why I don't think it seems right. But I still, at the end of the day, you're deducing the question down to a question mark. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah, that's terrific, Aaron. I really appreciate it. Good. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's nice. That's. Yeah, I mean, it's real parallel. And I've seen I've seen, seen it. I've been around you. I've hung out with you throughout. I'm sure we've prayed together and they've done everything, you know. And uh, sure. it's interesting to be able to process. There's not a lot of people that process out loud that have ever been in that public eye that continue to, to do so and, and speak honestly. A lot of times people get, Kind of wrapped up in it, and I, you know, I'd flag you as somebody who I thought, okay, well, he's probably just going to become a clean cut Christian and make a career out of that at some point. I thought maybe that's the way you're going to go. And
3: so did I. So did I. Yeah.
0: And and it's so been it's been almost to me, it's just like yes, like yeah, your life's more crazy or complicated or, and not as easy as that would have been. Uh, it's messier, but it's 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 truer, it's realer, and I now I know that me and you, we don't have to believe the same thing, but we. You're somebody that's real that I can continue to be friends with, and and I'm, you have I'm to happy be. about that.
3: I don't want to I don't want to lose the important stuff in my life, and I felt like if I would have kept going down that path, I would have lost the important stuff. You know, yeah. like yeah. the identity of who I actually am and who I want to be. You know, as yeah. a man.
0: Yeah, are so, still the same real dude that then go to Sonny's barbecue with, and that's and it'll be whatever it is. And that's that's, and that's that's important it. to retain. So I'm very very happy that's that you it. are retaining that yeah. self. Autonomy, truthfulness, messy accepting of reality. I mean, I appreciate that, and and yeah, uh, I'm, thank I'm you. I'm glad buddy. you're my Trying. friend in that. So, yeah, thanks.
3: same, same. I'm glad you guys are doing what you do. It's a it's a nice place for me. So
0: cool. Okay, Aaron Gillespie, everybody. I guess he's a pretty friend of the pod. He's probably been on. What's he? He's probably in the multiple timers club at least. What, what did you say? Tommy Green. He's coming up again. That'll be the. What do you call him? Three timers. Yeah, I think he's a three timer. Uh, Gillespie's I mean, at least three, he may be three or four by now, yeah, at least three, yeah, or four. maybe
2: so, and then, like I think you have the Gillespies and Derek miners of this world who are like three timers, Tommy Green, but then you have people like Dan Koch, he's in a different category, right, I mean, he's just been on there, oh so yeah, Gillespie's like almost a, yeah, yeah, he's like an alternative host, which which I, I actually want to say about Dan, how. I he he brings such an element to the conference that I don't think we have with him in fact there was one person that what, asked, brains <laughs> yeah <laughs> well there's one person that asked hey can we have a little like more construction everybody's deconstructing and my answer was I think you got a lot out of that with Dan because most of the times people are deconstructing Dan is up there kind of balancing it all out but uh yeah so these well, people can, let uh, me
0: let me give Dan a thank you too now that you mention it because he is he uh, aside from Reva... Uh, He's the all-star, unbelievable. I want to tell you, I just, I want to say this out loud. Thank you so much, Dan. Now, this is what Dan did here. Dan hosted a ton of the things. He added, he, he was a very heavy hitter. He managed a lot from the stage. He did a terrific job on multiple panels that he prepared for, uh, and the conversations that he was able to do and host. He's terrific at that. He's in fact ever increasing because he spends a lot of time working on his skills, and they are improving and they are very high level. He's incredible. Now. We didn't even pay for Dan's flight or hotel or anything. Dan did this all on his own dime. He cares about this community. He loves it. He's working on himself. He thinks it's valuable. He, he sees the value in all this. And that is just the least hypocritical, you are what you preach kind of thing. He made a ton of airport runs and picked up people and shuttled yeah. them in our rental car. He went and got water. The guy is doing the real work of practicing what you preach and caring and, do, and being a real, real dude. Not right. just the and, guy that and, likes to and, do podcasts and talk and say smart things. He does the grunt work. He does it for no benefit other than it, its own reward. And it's it's amazing. It deserves recognition.
2: Right. And for full disclosure, we we were a little bit over on budget. And so we would have loved to have paid him. Mean, we just had to make a decision near the end of, hey, we can't pay for your travels or anything. We still want you to go. And he made the decision to just pay for his way. So. Yep. Yeah. It was amazing. So we Anyway, don't make we got money some, like, some, doing some this. new
0: BC Club people. <laughs> that...
2: Yeah, we do. And the list just goes on and on and on. The uh, lambs. I, I, this is the the BC Club lambs book of life. Uh, some, some, we need to tie it in there so, uh, somehow. But the list keeps going on and on. These people went to thebcclub.com. If you go there, you can read about the different perks that you get. And, uh, you know, most people are in the club, though, because they really, really just love Bad Christian and want to be a part at a deeper level. We were talking to an an all-in plus member at the conference. They've been giving, like, well over $100 for a good four years, and I don't even think they're in the Facebook page. But a lot of these people interact on a Facebook page, communities, like there's people that meet up in their cities. People that are best friends married for crying out loud. So, hey, if you want to get married, maybe join the BC we Club. We did a but survey
0: the, recently, and far and away, the most reason people are like the BC, being members of the BC Club is the two bonus podcasts they get every week. That was yeah. far and away the, the height great. on the uh, survey.
2: That's, that's neat. Like by far?
0: Uh, I mean, not like 90%, but statistically the highest by, by a good margin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like those
2: episodes, and I think we all feel a lot more free in them. So, thank you, Bart. Featon, Jacob Brinken, Brandon Hillman, Stephen Crow, Joel Hing, Hartz, uh, I guess that's German, John Taylor, Prasad Akula, Justin Luther. People tell us we're not uh, we're not into diversity. Check that out. Prasad Akula. I mean, there's no way that Keep that's rolling. an English name.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah I got more to Nathan go. Nathan Lasnik, Matt, delete it, Dan
2: Guerra, Kate Drebing, Dylan, Irvine, Ryan, Gatson, Adam, Kinnell, Benjamin, Hanningen, Rachel, McLean, Eric, Rigel or Regal,
0: Benjamin Young, and Daniel Rice Craig. Yeah, wow! Cannot believe that names roll in like that week after week. That is is astonishing. And this is again the moment of reflection on the year when you kind of get what this whole thing is. And big thanks. In fact, thank you, Toby. Thank you, Joey. None of this possible without you we love you we all know I you know it wouldn't happen without me too don't I don't need anything back nothing from me but Toby Joey thank you so much. thank you to BC club to nope, see y'all later.